on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Those were some of the thoughts that went through my head every time that I thought about shutting the doors because it wasn't going the way I envisioned it would. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like I say, every time I got close to those moments, something would break through, something would happen, and it'd be like, okay, well, I guess we can go for another year and reevaluate. Yeah. <laughs> you are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I have an incredible guest on the stage today, Douglas Mast. Welcome to the stage. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. You know, we, <laughs> in our in our short interaction already today, we have laughed. I think, I think that my cheeks hurt just from us laughing in the last five or t- 10 minutes setting up this podcast. I think we're going to be friends forever from the last five minutes. I, I don't know what you feel about that. <laughs> But Douglas, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. Tell us what kind of business that you have, brother. So I own a residential remodeling company, and we also have a, a, a separate business. It's kind of operates as a wing of mast construction, but it's called Snowfighters of Baltimore, and it specifically does snow and ice management work. Uh, and then I own a small farm. You got to throw in the farm. Tell, just for two seconds before we get into your story, what? does the farm entail? We make 60 acres of hay three times a year. We run a small herd of beef cows, a small flock of sheep, goats, and then we have chickens, ducks, and turkeys. Wow. You said, you said small, but I mean, okay, you're not doing 10,000 acres. You you don't have a combine. Okay, fine. But bro, you got a little, little side farming going on. (laughs) Yes, I do. I love it. Actually, I have a, one of my I've got a couple of brother-in-laws that are farmers, actually, but one of one of one of which I was having a conversation with not that long ago. He was trying to convince me to get goats, and I'm like, "Bro, I don't want goats." He's like, "Yeah, but they'll eat all your grass, they, you know, da 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 da, this that and the other, and then you can sell them." And people really like goat meat and that and that and goat milk. And I'm like, "Dude, we got like 30 chickens," and I'm like, "I'm here," you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to have all this stuff. I, you know, I'll go out into the woods and I hunt, but that's <laughs> that's that's what I like the woods for. Douglas, I'm excited to know your story here. Before we get into like how you got started and all the fun stuff of your journey, or maybe even the not so fun stuff. At this level, you've been you've been successful. You've got a track record. You've achieved, like I told you before, something that you know less than 10% of all businesses, nine point whatever percent of businesses achieve. Why are you still doing it, even after all the success? Well, I mean. I got to feed my family somehow. I've got six children and my oldest is 14. So they're going to be dependent on me for a good little while longer. That's right. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, with, with where I'm at today, it's given me a lot more flexibility and free time 
that I get to use to spend time with my children. And ultimately, I feel like that is the most, that's the highest calling I have as a father, as a person, is to ensure that my children are on a correct path for life. And so the business is really just a, a tool that enables me to, to lead them, guide them, train them um, yeah. in the way yeah. that you go. And then, you know, above and beyond that, where we're at today has allowed me to do volunteer work on a level that I've never been able to do before. And that radiates with me in a way that probably nothing else does. Been two weeks in Poland earlier this year working on Ukrainian refugee housing. Wow. Did a, a one-week rebuilding project last fall, planning another one-week project in Louisiana this fall. And I would love to do more of that. And so I need the business to continue where it's at, and, you know, at its current level or more to if it's going to continue to give me that free time and that flexibility yeah. with my time to do those things that I love. You know, the things that, that you love, I mean, we all have the things that we love, the hobbies, the, the, the free time things. But what I heard you say was legacy. What I heard you say was, you know, you building the next generation, building other communities. Like when I talk, you know, inside of Gathering the Kings Mastermind and we talk about this warrior king mindset, everything that you just exuded is kingship. It's not just about you anymore. And, and, the, and the greater purpose of, I mean, I love the kids. I've got four of my own. Maybe one day I'll get to your level. I don't know. Contest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, six, that's a crew. But, but you're right. You know, the, the fact that the business is a tool. I don't know if I've actually ever had anybody say that specifically, that it's a tool in order to then build those, those bigger callings. I love the way that you said that, specifically with the kids, because that's how that's how I see it too. I didn't grow up in a, you know, entrepreneurship family. Did you? A little bit. Okay. My, my father, his success was kind of up and down with his various ventures, but yes, it was an entrepreneurship family. Yes. You got to see, you got to see probably the, the risk factor taken. If, if you're saying is up and down, he, he took a lot of risk, maybe, maybe not so much on the execution or maybe just not consistent, but the reality of it is that you get to at least see the freedom aspect. Yes. Yes, I did. Is that what burned in you all this time of like, I got to do my own thing because of the freedom. So, and then maybe over the course of time, the freedom turned into these other bigger purposes. You know, not necessarily. There was actually various moments in my career where I got really, really frustrated with running my own business. And there was multiple times I nearly shut it down and went to work for somebody because I was given wow. some really good offers. And, uh, and I felt like I was going nowhere. We were just spinning our wheels, going nowhere. And, uh, and every single time that I came that close to pulling the trigger and saying, I'm done, closing the doors, going to go work for XYZ company, something would happen. And, and I, I attribute it to God resolving that conflict that was, that was causing me to feel like it's time to shut it down. And, and he would, you know, give me a renewed vision, a renewed passion and the business kept going. Yeah. But I, I, I never felt like I had to do my own thing, but I always weighed out like the, the benefits versus yeah the risks or the yeah because you know as a business owner 
I have the opportunity to use my business to advance the kingdom of Christ in a way that I can't as an employee of somebody else's business. And that was always extremely important to me. It was always very high on my priorities when making decisions for the business. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. I think that the, oh, just the, I guess the motion, not of, of, of like the freedom necessarily. You're, you weren't, you weren't grabbing onto the freedom, but it was this, you didn't want to quit in those moments. You didn't really want to, to, to close it down. And, and you held on just long enough so that the ninth hour, because because that's that's my experience as well, is a lot of times in the ninth hour, that's when the miracle or that's when the things come together, you know, the provision, which is obviously a biblical truth, even in itself. You could you know, go story by story and go, oh, that happened in the ninth hour. We're on the Red Sea and we're about to get crushed. Boom. It's, you know, like this happens. But but what I want to point out for the listener is that you had the tenacity in the moment to go, you didn't really want to shut it down, right? Because otherwise no. it would have. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. No, I didn't want to. But there's a point where, you know, a person can really just only handle about so much mental stress or right. financial stress. And then yeah. those were some of the really key components that, where I felt like, you know, if, if what I was doing was not actually creating a good life for my wife and children, right. then I need to say, okay, Doug, you're not cut out for being a business owner. You need to go work for somebody because they're more important than, you know, being a business owner. And, right. and, and those were kind of some of the thoughts that went through my head every time that I thought about shutting the doors because it wasn't going the way I envisioned it would. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like I say, every time I got close to those moments, something would break through, something would happen and it'd be like, okay, well, I guess we can go for another year and reevaluate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that line right there has saved a lot of businesses. I was just talking to somebody the other day about Shoe Dog. Have you read this book? It's, it's the story of Nike, Phil Knight. I haven't. Yeah, I, he didn't use this exact language, but I'm telling you, he was on the verge of bankruptcy so many times and he just kept kicking it down the road going, well, maybe we'll hold on for another month. Hey, you know, he, not this exact language I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it's the same thought of like, ah, uh, you know, like, let me squeak by one more time. And then eventually you persist through until the breakthrough moment. So you have set this up beautifully for me. Tell me about one of the breakthrough moments. What was it a good decision? Was it something that you had been working on that finally happened? Like, Tell me a story, bro. So to, in, or, in, in order to tell you that, I really kind of got to tell you a few other things about Perfect. the way that started. So when it started, it was just me. And, and I actually was interviewed by a local newspaper and I actually got the clipping somewhere in the first year of, of starting the business here in Maryland. And they said, what is your vision for the future? And I said, I, I, I plan to hire one guy and that's it. I have no plans for growth. That was in 2007. I had no plans for growth. I, my target for marketing was things that I could do with me and one other guy. And yeah. that was it. I had yeah. seen people manage employees. I had seen the headaches. And I said, I don't have nothing to do with that. The yeah. problem is that I got the calls that I got was not for the things that I was targeting. It was things that needed multiple people, larger crew size and general contracting work, managing subs. And I needed to feed my family. Right. So I took that. 
because those were the calls I got. And I weren't to accommodate the needs. The problem was that I had been so used to doing everything from my head and making so many decisions by the seat of my pants. I could outwork anybody that ever came beside me. In fact, one guy told me, he said, somebody asked a fellow employee of mine at one point, said, hey, how how do you like working for Doug? He's a a real taskmaster, isn't he? And uh, he's a, he's a real pusher. I think that's mm. what he said. And the employee looked at the, the friend and he said, pusher, he's a dragger. He drags you along. <laughs> and, and that was the problem was that I had everything up here. I was a horrible communicator sure. and I literally just drug people through that work with me and we got crazy amounts of work done, but you can't operate that way when you're managing people. Yeah. And so not for very long, at least. Huh? Not for very long, at least. <laughs> yeah. And, and so partway through this process of hiring employees, managing subcontractors to try to execute the work that fell in my lap, yeah. I started to realize my horrible, horrible communication skills and my horrible style of management. Wow. And, and so I said, okay, what? Well, I've got to get things out of my head and I got to get them on paper so that I can communicate more effectively to the team yeah that process is is what nearly killed me multiple times because i was such a horrible communicator and there there were so many things that i assumed i didn't know the things that i needed to say because i assumed that that so many things were just obvious yeah and 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 it was when i was able to and, and literally this took years Years. There were several years the company went backwards and I borrowed money to keep the company afloat because I was determined to learn to make that switch in my brain. I think it took three or four years. No lie. Wow. Wow. Because I I guess I'm just hard headed. I don't know. But when I was able to finally get myself into a, a rhythm where I captured the information from the client, I got it down on paper in a format that was understandable, the teens could execute work without asking me a thousand questions or me showing up on site every single minute to explain something, that's when things changed. Yeah, incredible. Was there a specific moment, I mean, you kind of mentioned just like the frustrations of just over and over dragging people through that and eventually that caught up with your psyche. You, You acknowledged it. Was there a moment in time where you like, when I heard this, or was it when that guy said he's a dragger? Like, well, you're like, okay, I got to change my mindset. Cause that doesn't just happen. No, 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 it really, <laughs> it, it, that came about as a result of having multiple jobs either go backwards financially because I had failed to communicate certain details or cost, not just financially, but customers actually getting angry with the end result because of my failure to communicate and us losing the entire job and having to refund money. And, and I realized that if I don't change, like this is an absolute death trap. We're, we're going to go bankrupt. I have to change in order for us to stay viable or else we'd go back down to just me and one guy because my style of communication is not working. Right. And now I'm going to add 
there, there's one other piece to this that was a catalyst in that change. Two years in, I was doing all my own book work as well. And I think it was uh, about two years in, I was approached by another local businessman and he said, hey, do you think you would ever be interested in somebody helping you with your book work? And I said, not really. I don't do a very good job of it, but we're getting by. And we were still pretty small at the time. And he said, well, I know this lady and she's looking for some part-time work and she could really use the work and, and she's really good. And I was terrified to meet with her because I knew my books were a mess. Wow. And she came in, she was extremely patient with me and she set our book work and our desk work on a solid foundation. And, and that was a huge component of that growth and that mindset and that shift. When I hired her and I took that piece off of my plate and I was able to focus more on the actual sales and production instead of everything. Yeah. And, and because of her background, various times when I would hit a wall, she would say, Doug, why don't you do this? She was 10 or 15 years older than me, had a lot more experience than I had. She'd gone to college. Yeah. Um, I, you, know, you had, you had um, a little mama bear, sounds like. And, and, and that was a huge part of that growth. Yeah. Obviously, she couldn't change me. I still had to change. But she gave me a lot of suggestions along the way that were a huge part of that change. And we would not be here without i say we wouldn't be here she was a she was a big part of the story yeah yeah well and and, and the reality of it is, is that you may not it might look a little different you may still be a couple of steps back but you are where you are because of the pieces and she's one of them that's the reality yes, yes. wow the the simplicity of that choice but the resounding impact because I, i'm sure at that point what clicked in your brain and tell me if i'm wrong is that you gave something away that you were terrified of and then you saw it work and that probably gave you some confidence to go, hmm, if I hire a guy here and I hire a salesperson here and you start building out a little bit more of a, of a team, which then enables growth um, in a lot of areas. Anything that you would add there or am, am I off basis there? Well, so in that, at that particular stage, I, I didn't hire any additional like a salesman or anything like that. Sure. I simply had, I gained family time yeah. at that point because I was working all day and then doing desk work at night. And so I gained not only my evenings back, but I also gained a much clearer picture of our, our books. Things were being done on time. And what that did was it set a foundation for the growth. So when we did, we're going to add another team on the ground. At that point, I was still doing all the sales and all the production management. But I went from being sales, production, and actually working to strictly sales and production. Right. And we hired additional teams that actually did the, the physical work. So yeah, that, that was certainly a part of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it obviously is the part of, of scaling, it sounds like for you, that, that, which I, I think is so important, the buying back of your evenings. I think, <laughs> I think every entrepreneur goes through that phase of, of working all day and then working all night. <laughs> and I think there's been several seasons and it comes and goes, especially as I'm building multiple businesses and doing multiple things. And especially if I start something scratch again, and you're like, I remember this stage. I remember the grind. I'm kind of addicted to it. I don't know why I'm a little bit crazy, but this reality of if I, if I give this away now, I know like if I can give this away sooner, 
that I can keep the evenings or I can, I can separate the time for the family or whatever. But I think that there's like this, this horsepower that runs in us probably because of necessity <laughs> for a long time. Right. But it doesn't have to be like that is, is the point I'm hearing from you. Like you can, you can lean on other people, hire good people, and you can have your evenings. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. You have to know what you're looking for. I mean, I went through multiple production managers before I am at the one where I'm at now. I mean, I don't do any of the production anymore. And the others didn't work out, but mostly the reason they didn't work out was because I didn't know what I was looking for. Yeah. And until I had one that failed, then I was like, oh, well, I need somebody who doesn't do that. <laughs> Such an easy way to learn, right? <laughs> An obvious way to learn. I don't know yes. about easy. <laughs> they were very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but you, have, you have the things in place now. Those were expensive lessons, not just expenses. Investments, rather, right? <laughs> I love the perspective there. I want to know, you've kind of just through natural conversation here, given me, you know, good and bad things along the way. I want to know if, if you, do you have like a principle that you live by or like a discipline that you follow when it comes to decision-making? So the first one is, is just prayer. I mean, just straight up. If there's a, I mean, I, I would like to say that every decision I make, I pray over it, but that is actually not true, sure. but big decisions for sure. There's your prayer. And, and then the second one is counsel. Big decisions I always talk with my wife about. And she's not a businesswoman. She's the homemaker. <laughs> she, she doesn't always have, you know, the business perspective. Yeah. But she will see things within a decision that mm -hmm. I would not see. And so, you know, asking her advice on things like that has proven to be extremely valuable. But Bigger than that is asking advice from other men who are not necessarily in the same industry, but, you know, that, that might have valuable insight, you know, yeah. whether it's the purchase of a new piece of equipment or a new truck versus a piece of used equipment. Taking on when, I, when we took on our first big snow contract, I was absolutely terrified of it. And I actually turned it down and, wow. and, and I was prodded and pushed. And, and this deal was sweetened and, and I just kept going, no, I, I make enough money in construction. I don't need this. Right. I don't need this. Tape. And I, I finally went to another fellow business owner in the community who, by the way, would like, I don't necessarily specifically target Christians when I'm looking for advice. Sure. And, and he was not a believer, but he was a businessman that I respected yeah. and I went to him. And I said, this is being presented to me. I don't want it. What do you think? And he said, you are insane not to take that deal. And, and I just kind of threw his advice out the window because I said, well, he's just jealous. So I went to a financial advisor. He has nothing to do with the construction industry. He knows nothing about the snow industry. I presented it to him. I said, what do you think of this? Like I'm being begged to take this contract. And he said, well, the numbers make sense to me. What's wrong? I said, I just don't want it. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you, Doug. Yeah. And I went to two other people and every single one of them said, that's a good deal. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And I finally went back to the guy who was begging me to take the contract. And I said, we'll take it. But I'm telling you straight up, I don't know how we can fulfill this thing because this is way over the top for us. 
it was one of the best decisions we ever made. Wow. <laughs> so but there's there's a it, big the bigger the decision, the more counsel get, yeah. and especially from outside influences that are not connected to yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you hit it. You hit it home for me on on that for sure. There's a story there, though. I want to take two minutes because the best decision. I mean, wow, that that's quite the statement. Followed by the sentence before that, you said, I don't know how we're going to do it. And so I, I love moments like this as entrepreneurs. We can all relate to this of I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Wow, I did it. And it was the best thing ever. Like, I, I can relate to that. But I want to know why. Well, how? What, what? What happened? Tell me the story, Doug. <laughs> so I got a, I got a call from. Let me back up. We, we'd always been involved in in snow a little bit, not okay. much. We had two pieces, and yeah. um, and, and and the contract that, that we were working as a sub, and the contract that the guy had fell through, and so my equipment was just sitting. And another guy found out about it. He introduced me to this snow general contractor. He called me up and he said, would you take two properties, two post offices in Baltimore? And I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I don't want to go to Baltimore. It's an hour away. He said, could I take you to lunch and I'll show you the properties? Sure. I'll take a free lunch. What's up with that? So we rode out there. We looked at him. He said, what do you think? I said, I think they're terrible. I don't want them. And he said, why not? I said, because it's an hour away. I don't want to do it. He said, would you at least give me a price? I said, it's going to be high. You're not going to like it. He said, would you give me a price? I said, sure. And so I made it high because I didn't want it. It didn't, he didn't take five minutes to respond after I emailed it to him. He emailed um, back. He said, oh, that's good numbers. I like those numbers. I said, oh, brother. Here we go. So that was two. The next year, he said, Doug, you did such a great job. Would you like more? I guess it's okay. We added a couple of plows on some existing trucks, bought another skid loader. We went from two to 11. That was a big jump. Felt like we had really stretched. We had put every truck to work, every skid loader. I was like, whoa, man, this is, this is a big deal. And it was a big deal because that year we got 30 inches of snow in one dump. Whoa. One dump. It was, yeah. it was a lot. We made a lot of money and I nearly died. I worked my tail off. I, I got, I don't even know. My wife could tell you because she's got it memorized, but almost no sleep for seven days. It was, totally. it was terrible. So out of that, I said, well, I'll never do this again. Like this is, this is terrible. You know, he came back to me the next year. He said, Doug, I'm bidding on 45 more post offices. I said, no. He said, why not? I said, you're crazy. I said, we barely could do 11. You're absolutely insane. He said, why not? I said, well, I can't, I don't have that much equipment. He said, can we at least eat and meet? And, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take you to lunch, Doug. Or, I'll do an 11 for you. I'll let you buy me lunch because we were going to keep doing the 11. Sure. And in between there, between when we set the meeting and when we met, my brother-in-law came to me and said, Doug, I lost in snow work. Any way you could put a truck to work for me? Hmm. And my window guy came to me and said, Doug, I want to buy a skid loader this year and I want to put a plow on my truck. Would you happen to have any work for me? Hmm. I went into this meeting fully prepared to tell him absolutely no, but I went into it and I said, okay, let's find work for two trucks and one skid loader and I'll just pass it off to them. We're not going to take any more. 
So I had sifted through his pile. I picked out what I thought was nice and easy work. And I said, we'll take these. He said, what about the rest? I said, no. He said, what would it take? I said, $100,000 in cash to buy equipment with. Right. He looked at me and he said, can you get the drivers? And that was a question I hadn't asked before. Uh huh. And I said, well, I think so. He said, you get the drivers, I'll get you the money. Boom. Deal. And I was he removed the excuses and and it was obviously a lot more complicated than that but that was kind of the initial discussion that led to making that decision to he did it ended up but he gave me eighty thousand dollars to go buy equipment with that was free and clear i did not pay it back and we actually spent 120 so we were in the red by 40 till the year was over, just yep. in the equipment budget. But that grew and he kept adding more post offices in subsequent years until when the contract with USBS corporate ended, we were servicing 52 locations. Wow. And we, over time, developed a really good routine. And the last two years, I never even went to the city. I managed everything from right here in Mount Airy. Yeah. And that, what I didn't know going into that is that my parents were going to end up with some fairly significant financial needs. Mm. And not only was I able to bless them and help them because we made so much money off that contract. I bought a new family vehicle. I bought a whole bunch of farm equipment that I wanted, didn't need, but I just wanted to expand the farming and hay operation. We got, I don't know, a newer truck. I mean, we just, we spent the money wisely. We didn't throw it away. We didn't do a lot of vacations. We had reinvested it, paid off debt, but it set us on our feet financially. And beyond that, that was a huge part of going from warrior to king because I went from being the guy who drove a plow truck being the guy who was managing 30 some odd people yeah and and i took those <laughs> okay this is where over two minutes my good snowball ended up inviting me to go to the snow and ice symposium which is the national snow and annual snow and ice convention on his dime i would have never gone because i didn't know nothing about it it wasn't part of my industry Right. And I went, and what I discovered was that in all the questions, they have the conference where they, they, they have all of the equipment that yeah. personnel and ice management, but then they have classes. And those classes are all centered around leadership skills. Now you can choose which classes you want. Some of them are specific to salt mill product. But my first Simon convention was in 2018. And it was monumental for me in that I was introduced to leadership concepts mm-hmm. that I did not know existed. You know, that something you don't know what you don't know until you don't know what you know, something like that. Anyhow, I realized things that I didn't know that I was struggling to implement in the red remodeling side of the company. And I found that info at the snow and ice convention. I brought it back, started implementing that stuff. And those were huge components of, of taking us to the next level in business, in 
in really getting me to think, you know, so I, I was still doing sales, but I've gone from doing sales to now I've put ourselves in a place where I'm looking to hire a salesman. Yeah. I'm looking out of that seat because I realize there's more out there for me. And I've outgrown my spot here at Master Construction. I need to be managing culture or something and not actually doing the sales every day. And a lot of that is because of things I've learned through those leadership pod, pods, pods, no, they're not pods, they're yeah. classes, yeah. shops, classes. And I wouldn't, and none of that would have happened if I hadn't have said, we will go, we'll take on those 32 more post offices and, and, and went through that time with, with Bill. And today, today we, we've got a, an amazing snow contract. Like we, after that one ended, I just said, we're not going to take anything on. We're just going to sit tight. We're not going to do anything. And my account said, are you going to close snow fighters? And I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I don't know. Just we'll keep it open for now. We'll see what happens. And November 1st of last fall, we, we were able to score this massive contract and it's been awesome and amazing. Been off to the races ever since. I, I I I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you going through that. Probably one of the most open and vulnerable stories that I've had here on the pod. Not even kidding. It's so real. I can think of like three or four circumstances in my own journey that just line up with that. I'm like, oh my goodness, dude. I I know what you were feeling in those moments, and the scarcity, the the no, but then like okay but then like thank goodness like you just took me up and down and through my story and so what i want what i want to encourage the listener here is that the, the probably i mean there's i mean you shared a lot if i could pull out one thing <laughs> it's it's go for it go for it because there are so many trickled things that happened to douglas's life his business his multiple businesses his family all these benefactors because he just went for it and I know that there's so many other things, like obviously the leadership and, and investing in equipment and, and thinking bigger. Like we could, we could write a long list of things to take away from that story. But it all started with you going, actually, you were saying no, but eventually you got convinced to just, to just go for it. And so if I don't hear another entrepreneur story this week or this month, bro, I'm, I'm good. I'm, my cup is full. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. I'm gonna. I, I want more detail now. I, I want. A, I'm. We're gonna have to carry this offline. And I'm. Gonna, <laughs> see, see, I know how to get to you now. All I gotta do is buy a lunch. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're we're wrapping up here, and I want to go through the last questions here. We got the speed round. I want to ask you a couple questions that that are meant to you know be a little faster, but it's a different angled question. Okay, so number one is. These couple of businesses, your farm, all of this stuff that you got going on, I want you to dwindle it all down to one trackable metric. What is it? Hey, for me, it would have to be profit because if the money doesn't flow, you're, you're just dead. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I feel like customer service is super important and customer satisfaction. But at the end of the day, you can make all the customers happy all you want. And if you're not making money, you're dead. Yeah, it's true. It's true. What book would you recommend, Douglas, for a six-figure business owner to read? God is My Partner by R.G. Letourneau. I haven't heard of that one. That's good. We're going to put that in the show notes. Oh, awesome. I know. Gotta how have I not heard of this? I mean, I can, I can reverse engineer the life of David for you and how it's been like instrumental in my business. Like, but, but no, I haven't heard of this one. I'm, I'm going to have to order it right now. You've already mentioned the 
power of a council. My, my question here in the speed round is, do you network or intentionally mastermind with others? You've, you've given us the value. Anything that you want to add there for the listener, maybe specifically thinking back to that stage. I don't know if this was for you, but for me, when I was you know, early on, I knew that I needed counsel. I was hearing people like Doug say I needed to get around counsel and ask people, whether that be join a mastermind or go to networking events or have key people. But I was nervous, nervous about the commitment, nervous about the money. Like, what would you say to that person? So I, I would say, you know, especially early on when you're in the growth phase, you, you don't have a lot of money, um, but you still need the counsel. And so probably when you I need did, it most. Yeah. So what I did was find local businessmen that appeared successful, invite them for lunch, coffee, breakfast, take an hour. And what's going on in your world? What challenges are you facing? You know, yeah. and literally just back and forth asking those each other those questions and, and usually picking one challenge to discuss. Sometimes it might be employee retention. It might be the surging price of materials. I mean, whatever your challenge is, like be very specific in that hour to discuss that and have one of those a week. Find, and, and it can be different industries. Right. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I met with my insurance guy one time and we talked about employee retention. And he's in a totally different industry, yeah. but he's still dealing with employees. That's right. He is 20 or 30 people. And, and so finding those people, getting with them, talking, get outside of your business because hearing somebody else's story usually gives you a nugget, a takeaway to plug into your own. And you can do that for the price of coffee or a meal. Yeah, 100%. You, you can connect with a pretty good guy as long as you buy him lunch, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, it's a very practical step. I love that. Last question here for you. If you lost it all, what would you do? You know, I would probably go back to how I started. Find a need and fill it. Yeah. Whatever that would be. I've done a, a little bit of business coaching with new startups in the area. And I thoroughly love that, but I don't know if there would be enough of that to support my family. So I'm probably would go pick up my hammer and put on my tool belt and go fix a screen door or something. Yeah. Find a need and fill it. That's what I would do. Just start over, start small Yeah. and go back to where I started. I love, I love that. And, and with a big smile on your face, I know the listener maybe isn't necessarily watching the video, but the fact that you could in one sentence say, I would have to start over. And with this just ginormous grin, it tells me that you have this unbelievable confidence. I do. I do. I have been so low. I have been so near bankruptcy. I've been in lawsuits. I had an employee die on the job. I've had so many things happen throughout my short career. And I just, I know that when God says his heart is towards his children, mm. it does not matter what circumstances hit you if you live a life of integrity and you seek to purpose to honor him in all things, you can have everything taken away from you just like Job did. And he is going to take care of you. You may not be rich, but you will not starve. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. The baseline of, of need gets redefined pretty quickly. In, in, those, <laughs> in those circumstances, Douglas, you've been incredible. How can someone listening today connect with you? So I have Facebook. It's just my name, Douglas Mast. I have a 
very, very tiny YouTube channel. Again, just my name, videos from the farm, videos from my trip in Poland, and then email. Yeah. Which is d.mast at mastconstructionllc.com. It's very long, but it works. And I mean, I guess you can call me. <laughs> there, and I'm sure it's listed right there on the website. <laughs> yeah, I had phone numbers on the website. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. I, I hope that the the right ones that have questions reach out to you, but you've been incredible. I know I'm going to continue the conversation with you. I have absolutely enjoyed our time. I wish you nothing but success and blessing on your family, your businesses, your farm, your animals, all that good stuff. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.